Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey there, welcome to the Variety and iHeart podcast, The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Before we start today's show, I just want to thank everyone out there for listening because this week, it's happy birthday to The Big Ticket with Mark Malkin. We launched just a year ago, and it has been quite a ride. It all started with my first guests, Scarlett Johansson and Brie Larson, and it's been an amazingly fun journey ever since. With that said, let's get on with today's show. We have not one, not two, but three drag queens. I've got Shangela, Eureka O'Hara, and Bob the Drag Queen. The three are co-hosts of We're Here, HBO's new reality show in which they travel to small towns across the U.S. to give drag makeovers to local residents. If you're anything like me, you'll not only be smiling, but also crying. My husband and I watched the first three episodes, and we definitely shed some tears. Each queen had a lot to say about transforming lives through the power of drag, what happened when locals called the cops on them, and how they feel about Sherry Pie being disqualified from this year's RuPaul's Drag Race after it was revealed she was catfishing young men by pretending to be a casting director. It's all coming up after the break. Stick around. Welcome back to the big ticket. Here's Shangela. Hi. Mark. How are you, love? Look at your beautiful bow tie. Oh, I have to still wear the bow ties even if I'm in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> how are you? Honey, surviving in the times of corona. Yeah, how are you surviving? What are you doing? I'm doing good, actually. I'm okay. I'm in uh I'm in Paris, Texas at my family's house here. So I feel mm-hmm. 14 again because I'm in the house of my mom and my grandmother. <laughs> but it's cool because it's a house that I actually surprised for my grandma and bought her last August. And uh, I've never, oh my God, I've never gotten cry. to live in it. Yeah, it was really sweet, but I've never gotten to live in it. So I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. So um, I actually just, well, I can't claim it. My mom helped me to paint this room. As you can see, these walls, honey, they're now, they uh-huh. used to be white. They're now keepsake rose. Gay. Wow. <laughs> so you've been doing some home decor? <laughs> Truly, yeah. My mom and I repainted the garage and I'm changing it into a fitness gym because I have not done anything fit since I got mm-hmm. here back on March the 18th. So... <laughs> Was it was it a quick decision for you once you saw like we had to go into quarantine to head to Texas? Yeah, I never made it back to Los Angeles after um, we left. We were 
going to try and film an episode in Spartanburg, South Carolina for the show mm-hmm. uh, for we're here. But when the Corona pandemic started to really take arms, uh, HBO made a good decision that we should halt production. And so uh, I was going to go down to Puerto Vallarta to a show that I was going to do. And then they closed the uh, Canadian border. And I was like, you know, it's probably not a good idea to go to Mexico because it was just starting. You know, the news was just starting to pick up about what this was and how serious it was. And so I ended up hopping off the connection flight in Dallas, which is where my mom lives. And I haven't left Texas since. So tell me about the show. How did you get involved? I just have to tell you, my husband and I, every we've seen the first three episodes and we just cry. We just hold on to each other and cry. Yeah, it is, you know, all the feels I think that the audience is going to get were all the feels that we went through filming the show. Originally mm-hmm. when uh, Johnny Ingram and Steve Warren, our creators, brought the show to me and Bob and Eureka, I immediately was like, yes, because the concept about the three of us traveling to small towns across America, you know, partnering with people who have these unique and amazing LGBTQ stories and then equipping them with the tools. I never say it's, it's definitely not a makeover show, as you can see, it's Mm -hmm. equipping them with the tools, getting in their lives and working with them to be the best versions of themselves, to reach a goal or a dream they've wanted to do and do it through the power of drag. Uh, So, That's what, when they said that, I was like, oh, I'm in. Because, you know, I grew up in a small town. Well, I'm back here. I'm in Paris, Texas <laughs> right now, where I grew up. And um, it is, sorry, that's my mom trying to call me. Uh, <laughs> oh, she's trying to call you again. <laughs> sorry about that. Thank you. That's okay. So you're from a small town. So you know how these, you know, these people are dealing with, you know, some big issues in those small towns. Yeah, I'm very, uh, I'm not a stranger to sometimes the challenges that are unique to people who are gay and living in a small town where you don't think that there is, well, you know that there's not a visible community of support around you. And sometimes you feel all alone. So that was, I wasn't a stranger to that. However, this show definitely reconnected me with the experiences of people today living in a small town. Because what we found were that sometimes the stereotypes that you have about a small town are not always accurate, right? Mm -hmm. And so we found pockets of communities that were there for the support that some of our people didn't even know existed, while at the same time realizing that there's also places of, you know, challenge and and, uh, definitely people who don't think the same way that we do and don't have that same level of love and acceptance for the LGBTQ community. What do you want people to get from the show? Ooh, well, if you've ever been to Six Flags, honey, you know to pull that bar tight and hold on when the roller coaster starts, because this truly is a roller coaster of emotions. Uh, and what I really want people to take away from this is something that I think everyone, I would hope, needs right now, especially with all that we're going through in the world. And that is the spirit of humanity, compassion, kindness, and finding out that we're all not as different as sometimes we think we are. People may go, oh, this is how it is in small towns that, you know, good, I'm an outsider looking in. But what you find is that we all have those same sometimes feelings of, you know, I don't have as big of a community of support around me. I would love to. Uh, Dreams of I've always wanted to do this on stage, but I've never felt empowered or knew exactly how to do it. Uh, All of those things I think people will identify with. So I really just hope that people watch this with an open mind and get ready to go on the roller coaster. 
And as I mentioned, my husband and I cried a lot. Did you cry a lot while you were making it? Oh, Mark, you know, I'm not really a crier, but yes, <laughs> I turned out to be Boohoo Fish, okay? I, you know, we, I think about the second episode and, you know, I, I know what I shot and I know what we shot together, but I don't get to see what my other co-hosts are working on until we see a cut of the show, right? So right. when I saw Bob's relationship in, with his drag daughters in episode two and the grandfather, when I saw Eureka with um, her drag daughter in the first episode, and then even when I looked and saw some of the things that I shot with mine that I didn't even remember moments, I was like, it just starts, you swell with emotion. And then the next thing you know, you're going, oh my gosh, here I go. Let me just, you know, <laughs> and you start wiping tears because I think that we all as humans have uh, a lot of common uh, feelings that connect us. Like, a relationship with a grandparent or the lack thereof, wishing you had a grandparent that was like this in a way, you know, it's, it's just very special. And yeah, I did cry. Were you ever scared though? These are some small towns. Child, I'm standing with Bob and Eureka. I am standing with Bob and Eureka. I have no reason to be scared. We are th we're like Charlie's angels, three of us together, okay? What do you think when you hear people, I saw it a lot on Twitter, but people describe we're here is HBO's answer to Queer Eye? I mean, I love Queer Eye. I watch the show. I'm friends with, you know, Jonathan and Tan and Karama. You know, I know a lot of those guys over there. It's an Emmy Award winning, amazing show. I can't take nothing away from Queer Eye, but this is so not Queer Eye. And let me tell you why. First of all, I love to say this is not a makeover show at all. You've seen it. This is not a makeover right. show. This is us partnering with LGBTQ people specifically who have queer or queer adjacent stories who are in these small towns that want to be the best versions of themselves. And we have to partner with them to help them get there. That's one element. That's an emotional element of it. In addition to that, we've got to produce a one night only drag show in sometimes places that have never had drag shows in places where people go, honey, if it's not bull riding or football, I'm not into it. Okay. <laughs> And we have to combat that stigma about our, about our life, really, about who we are as professional drag queens and hopefully unearth a community of support in a place that might have never had it before or it's mm. not been seen visibly. So that's, I mean, that's the true difference in this story, in this show. Uh, I, I don't mind being compared to Queer Eye, but we, have, we are so not Queer Eye. So what's it like seeing these local folks come out and crowd these, you know, these little auditoriums and are just so excited to see a drag show? I was shocked. Okay, now I can understand they was coming, you know, if the name was Shangela on the door or Bob or Eureka, right? But the fact, because I've traveled all over the world, you know, I've done every continent except Antarctica at this point, and that might be next if the penguins got a booking fee. <laughs> but let me just tell you, um, honestly, it, it was... In the first city, it was shocking to me because I felt, you know, walking around Gettysburg, Confederate flags, you know, sometimes it felt almost like a ghost town in some places. Didn't hardly see no black people or high amounts of diversity. So I'm like, okay, nobody's coming to this show. <laughs> I was like, I was telling Bob at one point, come on, we should put a lot of chairs, you know, so that we have everyone right here. And, and he's like, well, they're going to block, you know, the people are going to come up and they're going to be, 
What about the people that are going to crowd the side of the stage and tip us? I said, Bob, baby, that's sweet of you, but there ain't going to be no people crowding the side of the stage and tip us, girl. We're not in L.A. And lo and behold, they proved Miss Shangela, look, we for wildly wrong, honey. So I have to ask you about the new season of Drag Race, Sherry Pie. Do you think she could recover from this? Well, you know what? The biggest thing about that is I... I mean, I don't know Sherry. I've never met her before. Um, but I will say that the show itself is a show that's all about joy, laughter. You know, it's a fun show. That's all we watch in RuPaul's Drag Race. So I think that, you know, the producers and everyone kind of did the right thing and how they've been able to, to um, respond to everything that was going on. But I always believe in the spirit of any queen, you know? I've always been a person with forgiveness in my heart. And um, I, again, I don't know all the particulars of this particular situation. I never met Sherry, but I will say that I, I just know the resilience of the power of drag. So I hope mm -hmm. that in a, in a good effort that everyone takes ownership, <clears throat> does the right thing. And at the end of the day, we continue to just lead with love. You're amazing, Shangela. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Say hello to your mom and your grandma for me. I will. That was Shangela. Coming up after this break, Eureka O'Hara. Find out what she has to say about feeling quite at home in small town USA. Plus, she offers advice for aspiring drag queens. I'll be right back. Hey, y'all, what's up? It's Jess Hilarious, and I'm just making sure y'all know that I got a podcast called Carefully Reckless on the Black Effect Network. I'm going to be telling y'all all my business and telling y'all other people's business, too. It ain't no limits to the things I talk about. Y'all know that if y'all know me. From baby mama drama to healthy relationships, from child support to stimulus checks. Look, when you take a step back and you realize that we all go through crazy stuff and we got stories to tell, those situations do not define you. But they do make for a real good conversation. <laughs> In a world where clickbait and cancel culture can tell your story before you do, I'm creating an outlet to remind people that we still human crazy and we can all laugh about it. Don't stress over it. Bring your problems to me. I promise I won't judge you, but I might crack a joke or two. Don't be scared. It'll be respectful and messy at the same time. Just make sure you tune in. Listen to Carefully Reckless every Wednesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Here's Eureka O'Hara. How are you, Eureka? I'm pretty good. Yeah? Considering, yeah, of course. How are you doing in quarantine? What are you doing to make the days go by? Um, I'm, you know, braiding my back hair, um, <laughs> massaging my pinky toes, and um, smoking marijuana. <laughs> good for you, man. <laughs> so let's talk about we're here. Um, it's such a great show. My husband and I have watched the first three episodes. We cry multiple times. Oh, now is that because you're sensitive or because it was good? It's because it, it's because it's really good. It really. Yeah, thank you. It's not contrived. It's it's really real. It really is. I'm very blessed to be a part of it. It's going to be a beautiful thing, I think, for people. So tell so tell me, how did it happen for you? Who who called you? How did it all come together? You know, honestly, a friend of mine was like, hey, um, there's this couple that wants to get a hold of you um, to have a lunch meeting. And I was like, ooh, a date. Sounds good. Um, it wasn't what I thought. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, no, just a friend of mine was like, hey, there's these guys that I know in the industry that want your number. Is it okay if I give it to them? 
And I was like, um, I just happened to say yeah, which is really weird for me, but Stephen called me Stephen Warren and um, just had the biggest personality ever and was just was very adamant about meeting for lunch. So I met with him for lunch at the Roosevelt. Um, I ran into Zachary Quinch on my way in randomly. I worked with him before. And it was weird because after the meeting, um, Zachary Quinch called me and was like, hey, why were you with Stephen Warren? And I was like, uh, he just wanted to meet with me about a show idea. And he was just like, he said, whatever he wants to do, do it. The man doesn't do anything half-assed. He's like, one, you know, he's very influential in the industry, blah, blah, blah. And so just because, like, my friend was like, hey, trust this guy. I loved the story and, like, the idea. And I just kind of went with it with him. You know, I was like, well, let's do it, girl. Tell me about going to these small towns. Were, was there, were there any towns that you were really scared of going to? Because these are some small, small towns. Yeah, you know, honestly, for me, I grew up in a very small town um, in East Tennessee. So, and I actually, like, also went to school, like, in Big Stone Gap, Virginia, an even smaller town than where I'm, like, from, from, you know, so I guess... For me, I wasn't really nervous about going to the small town to like anyone in particular. I never really got nervous until things happened in person. And there were a few moments that were pretty uncomfortable, like people threatening to call the cops on us or, you know, being um, in a very heteronormative environment that um, some would see as heavy masculine, you know, um, in episode two, let's say, when I went to the the party of Clifton's like friends and family that he was performing at, you know, it was a lot of like people drinking and it was like backwoods and a lot of men, you know, that, and some of them weren't very excited that I was there, but there was also like a lot of people that were very supportive. So although I was nervous at first showing up, um, I was actually treated really well. I mean, they invited me to drink with them and everything, you know, they kind of like christened me in as like this one of the, one of their people, you know? So it was the scariest moment probably, but it ended up being one of the more exciting moments too. So tell me about your favorite moment from the show. What What's the one moment that sticks out? You know, I think for me, honestly, would probably be my favorite moment. I honestly think it's probably, it would probably just have to be December, you know, Working with her, she was, like, just such a gem to work with, mm. Christopher's daughter. Yep. And just, like, the excitement that this young child had for drag in general um, already because of, like, watching Drag Race and just the fact that she was aware, aware of what drag was and the culture and just, like, how, um, how she was taught and raised to be open-minded by her mother. You know, I just – it's things like that that really warm my heart because, you know, I just truly believe in, like – the idea that discrimination can be fought by exposure because mm. people just fear what they don't understand. So, right. you know, you know, so it was just, it was super sweet, super special to me. So talk about also making over um, the cisgender straight men or women for that matter. Why was that essential in this show? Yeah. I mean, I think it's essential in the show because drag is for everyone. I think that's kind of the message too. But it's also more about, versus the drag part, it's more about involving everyone in the community, basically showing how we are all related in our issues and the way we process them, right? And how it doesn't matter your sexuality, you still just want to belong. You still want to find out who your authentic self is. 
you still want to, you know, be yourself and be happy and live your life without restrictions from a moral code that we've taught ourselves as the society that we have to live by, right? Right. So, um, and if anyone has those strict rules, it's heteronormative people more than anybody, you know? So mm-hmm. there's a struggle there that people forget. And that also I think us as LGBTQ people as well look over when we're thinking of our allies and things, the, the efforts that they really are taking because there's a much more strict set of rules in place for people that are heteronormative or straight or, mm. you know, whatever you want to call them. So it's nice to see them showing their allyship, but also um, exposing the experiences they go through. You know what right. I mean? It was so beautiful working with Erica just because um, being a former angelic, you know, very bigoted Christian type minded person who blamed her discrimination on her religion and um, her uncomfortableness on her religion. She used it as a scapegoat. It was it was nice to work with her at a point where she was past that, um, but was also still trying to figure out that it was it was more than just religion. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was also just about her state of mind and her being able to believe or accept it had nothing to do with God. You know, people, people want to find things to blame the way they think or the way they feel on other things. You know what I mean? When in reality that might influence you, but the truth is, is we all make our own decisions on what we think, how we act and so on and so forth. So you can try to say, Oh, well I was raised that way. Well, honey, I was raised that way too. You know, I'm, I'm raised Baptist, but that doesn't mean I'm walking around here telling everybody to get baptized. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> How much did you cry during, during the filming of this series? Oh my goodness. I am honestly a crybaby anyway. I'm a sensitive person. Mm-hmm. So, um, anytime anyone else cries, I'm also extremely empathic. So I cry. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to say I cried a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's, I feel like anyone's hurt or like they're telling a sweet story. I have to tear up. I just can't help it. What's your advice to a young person who wants to get into drag? What should they do? My advice is run away. (laughs) (laughs) Stop what you're doing right now. Put your nose in a book and get your ass to class. Um, That's my advice. And then my other advice would be if you're wanting to get in drag for the right reasons, then I'm all for it. If it's because you want to be creative or, you know, you want to try to like bring out a side of yourself you never saw or just because you love it, then yes. If it's because you want to make money or you want the attention, don't do it. You know, because you're making so much money, aren't you? Well, you know, honestly, (laughs) I'm very blessed at this point in my career that now I can actually call it a career. But before drag race, it was, it was, it was a, a hobby that occasionally paid the bills. (laughs) Um, but it took a lot of my time and money. So it's definitely something that like, it takes time, dedication and mastering your craft to really get to a point of being able to make it a career. Um, but it's possible, you know what I'm saying? But it's just, it's not the easiest field to work in. And now fun question. What's the one TV show you could watch all the time and you never get bored of it? Oh my God. Um, the one TV show, honestly, Supernatural. Really? Why is that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's something about them boys <laughs> and fighting all them monsters and things. Plus, I just love that. Um, I also just love it's kind of like for me, it's like Supernatural and Charmed and True Blood and like anything kind of mystically, magically lost girl. 
Lost mm. Girl, um, Supernatural, and Charmed are very related in a sense that I like those shows because every episode is kind of like a different antagonist. You know, mm-hmm. there's always like a new creature or someone that they're fighting. So it's not something that you have to like necessarily watch episode per episode. You can kind of jump around and still enjoy it. Right. Um, but also I just, it changes it up, you know, so it keeps me interested and I love anything magical and kind of sci-fi and, you know. Awesome. Eureka, you're amazing. Thank you so much. That was Eureka O'Hara. Next up, Bob the Drag Queen. He recalls what happened after the cops were called when the queens were spotted walking down the street in Branson, Missouri. Plus, he weighs in on the sherry pie controversy. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Here's Bob the Drag Queen. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Are you in Brooklyn? Where are you? I Everyone thinks I live in Brooklyn. I <laughs> have never lived in Brooklyn. I live in Manhattan. I live in Washington Heights. Okay. Okay. I'm originally from Queens. But, so. but it's a common sense when I get everyone goes, how's Brooklyn? And I'm always like, why does everyone think I'm from, why does everyone think I'm from Brooklyn? No, I, I live in, I live in Manhattan. Um, and I used to live in Queens. When I first moved here, I lived in Queens actually. Okay. So let's talk about this fantastic show. We're here. We're here. Um, We're here. You guys made us cry. My husband oh. and I literally every episode. We'd be sitting on the couch and we'd literally hold on to each other watching it. I love making queer couples cry. For me, what was probably, you mean scariest before I got there or scariest when we were there? I mean, we got the cops called on us three times in Branson. Um, And that, I mean, that's a slow week for me. But but, for Shangela Eureka, that must have been really scary. By the way, by by the way. What people call 911 and say, there are drag queens, come on yeah, just like there's 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 huge drag queens. They're on the street and they just they just call the cops on us. I mean, we got caught. We got the cops called on us for just standing in front of a store one time. We got the cops called on us. For, we were looking for venues to perform. We got the cops called on us when we showed up to look for a venue. We got the cops called on us one time, twice when looking for venues. Um, yeah, and they just they just didn't like that we were there. And they just called the cops on us. I mean, we, we we beat it before the cops showed up. We were riding dirty. We didn't stick around long enough to see what would happen, quite frankly. So I don't know what the cops would have done if they got in there. Um, but yeah, that that so Branson had that experience. That and I was a little bit nervous in Gettysburg too because of just so many Confederate flags everywhere. And I'm not saying everyone who has a Confederate flag is a danger, mm-hmm. but when you're a black queer person, it's not a comforting sign to see. Right. And I saw you saw in Branson too. I think you went past like a looked like a t-shirt shop. Yeah, yeah. It was just it, it wasn't that prevalent in Branson. When I tell you they were everywhere in Gettysburg, I ordered a like I sat down with my drag daughter in in, um, in Gettysburg, and he ordered a burger, and there was a Confederate flag in the burger. I mean, like it is like they really, which is weird because they're actually as far as the 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 Civil War goes. They're in the Union, so I don't know why they're so obsessed with the Confederate flags down there. They're, like, obsessed. What was one of your favorite moments from shooting? Was there a, a particular episode or a particular person you met or worked with? I think for me, honestly, it was uh, working with uh, members of the Navajo Nation of uh, Shiprock. Um, that was really... That was in the episode about Farmington, um, which you, which I don't think you've seen that one, but that was... 
this is one of my, it, it was one of the most rewarding experiences of my life when it comes to like helping someone curate a performance that meant a lot to them. And tell, tell us a little bit about it. What could you tell us about it? I can tell you that, you know, I, w- I was speaking to um, people from the Navajo Nation and some Diné people and they would, you know, we, we got together and I wanted to make sure that the performance felt authentic to the performer and also to the Navajo Nation. And we just, because there were so many, uh, the people helping us out were so hands-on and helping, like this number was not curated just by me, but it was by me and, and um, you know, drag queens, like indigenous drag queens and indigenous queers all getting together to make this performance. It's so powerful. I can't wait for you to see it. And talk about, in each episode, at least that I've seen, there's always a cisgender straight person. Well, no one's perfect. No one's perfect. It <laughs> <laughs> um, was that an essential part. Is that an essential part of this? Um, I don't know that it's essential. I mean, bear in mind, I don't work in casting, but I mean, what <laughs> I'm most proud of with the show is that it's not a show where we go around and make straight people over. Like most of the people we work with are queer, and that really means a lot to me. You know what I mean? Mm, why is that? Um, I think that I mean we there are a lot of shows out there where 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 queers go around and make straight people's lives better. Um, which I mean is what we've been doing for years. We're cutting your hair, we're teaching your kids, we're planning your weddings, we're teaching you how to dance, we're your theater teachers, you know what I mean? Um, and this is more so a a a docu-series that highlights queer people in small towns, um, which is important because sometimes people forget that there are queer people in small towns. What do you want people to get from the show? Viewers, what do you want viewers to get? Well, I just hope that they, um, to be honest, I hope that they just uh, get a chance to to genuinely see and hear these stories of the people that we're working with. Like, it's, it's I don't know if there's an overlining, like, and everyone learns to love themselves. I mean, everyone's going to get something different from this show. You're going to get what you need from this. What was it like also seeing the people come out for the drag shows? Like, these people were into it. Well, it wasn't a big shock to me. I mean, I've been traveling around doing drag shows everywhere from here to, uh, you know, to Australia. So it's not a shock for me to see people come out and see a drag show in a small community. Um, but it's certainly rewarding. And which episode did you cry the most at? Which, well, I, I mean, I literally cried in episode two on screen. And watching myself cry always makes me cry. <laughs> um, I'm like, look at that sad clown up there crying on TV. <laughs> a sad, sad no, clown. No, it's good. You got emotions. You got to feel it. I, listen, drag queens are a lot like human beings. I have a lot of the emotions that normal people have. A lot of, not all of them. Let's not get crazy. <laughs> So what's your advice to someone who wants to start doing drag? What do you tell them? Oh, just do it. I mean, if you want to do drag, just do it. I mean, I just, I didn't have a drag mom when I started drag. I just looked on YouTube. You can learn any, you, you can learn how to build a grandfather clock on YouTube. So you can certainly learn how to do drag, you know? In the scheme of your life, where does being crowned America's not stop? huge drag world drag queen where does that fall in the scheme of your life i mean it's pivotal i mean like imagine a, a, a sh- uh, you imagine you're on google and it says a sharp right turn like that's how pivotal it is it's like my life 
completely changed. It catapulted me into an, on, into an international stage and it gave me a much larger voice. So I would say it's one of the biggest moments of my life for sure. Do you still have- And the, one of the proudest. Do you still have the $100,000? I mean, I, I, I'll put it to you this way. I'm very good at saving money. Um, and I, I never, I mean, I, yeah, I got a hundred thousand dollars, but I immediately, immediately gave 40,000 of it to taxes. So, <laughs> so I, I never fully had the full 100. I had it. I had the full 100,000 for like a couple of months. And then when tax season came around, um, I gave up 40% of it because I am a law abiding citizen. So what do you think about the whole Sherry Pie thing? Should Sherry Pie not take part in the finale? I mean, I think that they made the right call. I think the disqualifying her was the right call. And I feel really deeply for the Queens who are on the season. Cause they'll always be associated with that. Right. Do you think there's redemption for her? Well, that's for, that's for individuals to decide. I mean, maybe there's redemption for some people, but for some people there probably won't be, I, I don't think that right. she'll be able to recover from this. Um, as far as drag goes, I think in my opinion, her drag career is probably not going to recover from this. Wow. And what have you been doing when you're in quarantine? I've been making a lot of content. I mean, I went through all the things. So I went through I like the phase where I was like, I'm working on my body. I'm working out. I'm stretching. And then I went through the phase like, it's the apartment. I'm going to clean, 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 clean. And then I went through the phase where I was like, it's my job. I'm going to make, make content. I'm going to start a new show. Bob, thank you so much. This was wonderful. You're great. It's my pleasure. Um, and thanks for having me. Awesome. See you soon. Take care. Be well. Work. That was Bob the Drag Queen, where here premieres on HBO tonight, April 23rd. Thanks for listening to The Big Ticket. I'll be back next week with another star-studded lineup, including Rose Byrne talking about her work playing Gloria Steinem in the new FX series, Mrs. America. Be safe, be well. I'll see you next time. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.